Welcome to Unsigned 518. I am here in, uh, I guess you'd call it the stripped-down Dazzle Den uh, with Ryan Leddick. I was I was talking before how we had a couple gigs this weekend, so all of our stuff is just kind of piled. But it's still, <laughs> you know, it's dazzly at, at heart. You know, there's still lights and a fog machine. So, uh, Ryan, we talked about doing this like two months ago yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it's been a while i think it was uh maybe it was july august something like that and then as we were talking before we got rolling we're both just very busy and you know sometimes it's a good busy yeah it's a great busy and then things just don't line up and i think we tried lining it up a couple times and then yeah but i'm glad we found this time to work you know 6 p.m on a tuesday it is (laughs) you know like that's when it happens to work out you know uh, so, uh, <laughs> and I told you Calvin was going to be sleeping a, right behind I you. I love it. Calvin's the, uh, the, the podcast. The mascot. resident dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, little buddy. But anyway, so we're not, well, I guess we could talk about Calvin all night. I certainly could. But <laughs> <laughs> we're here to talk about Ryan Leddick and your music, uh, your musical journey, I mm. guess, kind of how, maybe how music shaped you or, you know, really... It's kind of up to you to tell the story. So, uh. yeah. So, about how my journey started, I started uh, quite young. I guess my mother said that I was banging on pots and pans when I came out of the womb. That was kind of my first instrument, I guess you could say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all had that instrument. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's where my bass came from. Yeah. 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 One, two, three, four is on the. <laughs> yeah. And then um, my father was a guitarist and still is a guitarist, but uh, I couldn't really understand it at that age. It was like three or four. And then as I went through high school, I was that closeted gay kid that was always like singing in choir and living my life in drama club and really not singing professionally or outside the high school and stuff like that it was when i got to college that's really when i started to dive more into music and find myself in music sure. i think it was primarily because there was a lot of people that were weird like me that didn't <laughs> think of things like me right and uh we uh, we all loved uh like growing up with Dave Matthews, like growing up around here, like Dave Matthews in Saratoga, it shuts the place down. Yeah. And so growing up in the 90s, you had all this music, you had all these people that really influenced your mind. And I wanted to dive into that. And as I sort of got through college, I found my people. We all sort of went to Dave Matthews concerts, went to um, opera uh, uh, like rehearsals and saw how the symphony worked. And as I sort of went from one college to the next, I realized that I could actually make a living out of this. And it's a wonderful feeling knowing that you can create something that also has a relationship with someone else years down the road or in that moment when you play it and they've never heard it before. It's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. And now how would, how does that differ from, cause I was, I was like kind of the, you know, I, I was the band, I was like a band guy. Oh yeah. And yeah. I mean, it was really just the drums. I didn't, even, <laughs> I didn't even pick up guitar until after high school. Cause yeah, again, yeah. I started banging on pots and pans and like never fucking stops. Like, <laughs> just like all through, but I was, I was too afraid to do theater. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because, you know, you have to, like, put yourself out. But the one thing about it... That you have it, to be in front of people. Yeah. And I could play drums in front of people because I could 
kind of put my head down you mm, know, and blend just, in. Yeah, and just like to like play. But I, yeah, yeah. I was not a theater, but I really wanted to be. And a lot of my friends were in the theater. And one of the things about the theater that like intrigued me, and I want to know from you, like mm-hmm. if you see a parallel between doing your own music and doing theater, is like mm-hmm. when you do theater, m- most of the time, unless you're on like a super high level or someone's recording it on a VHS, I guess, <laughs> like it just goes away. Mm, you yeah, work yeah. really, really hard for months and months and on months, something and like then that. you do four nights of something, and then it's just completely gone. Then yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. shut off and start something new like do you find the tangibility of music is Mm, something that's different and maybe a little more appealing is that you can put a shitload of hard work into Mm. something but then it's there forever that is a really good sort of juxtaposition putting both of them next to each other right because like there is a transparency in theater like if you're not on Broadway and you're not the the revival cast or if you're not like the ones that do the original recording if people don't see you night after night it's it's one and done but that's a wonderful feeling with music as you say is um that like if you put something on paper or metaphorically in quotes here it it does have a life outside of the initial creation of that and so i find myself every time that i write something i'm always hesitant to put it out until I've invested enough time playing it where <laughs> it's not on the shit pile, it's on the good <laughs> pile, you know? <laughs> yeah, so like I'm always trying to play it through to the point where I have it autopiloted in my brain, and then I'll say, okay, after 10 weeks of playing this straight, do I still like it? And if I still like it, then I'll put it out there. Right, and that's a hard way of looking at it, because that was probably my hardest, and I mean, I've only been writing some very you know short amount of time i but, mean technically same but like right but go ahead yeah and i found that like my i will write something and then within five minutes be like nope and i don't <laughs> i don't give it that time to like and i just Marinade, think of yeah. like so much shit that i've just thrown away because i'm like oh my this god this is really good and then literally minutes later i'm like nope <laughs> and then I crumple it up and throw it away. I like, or the next day yes. I'll look at the lyrics that I thought were so great the night before, and I'll look at it and be like, "What is, what is that?" Oh, of course. <laughs> you know, like. I look at like my so like on my phone, and my phone's off right now. But if I was to upload it and like oh like open it up and go to my voice memos, I could pull up maybe two hundred voice memos of me just on a random subway platform recording a beep that I heard off of someone's phone that I thought was really interesting. And I'm like, that would work perfectly in this one song. And then like weeks later, I'll listen to it and I'll be like, what was I doing? Right. Yeah. Right. I've done that because I would always do um, humming in oh. my phone. <laughs> yes. So, you know, I would grab my phone and be like, you know, be like, oh, that's great. Let's go pick it up later. And then oh, I'd yeah. go back and listen to it later and be like, was that like, like did i have like nasal issues like what, what was like <laughs> yeah and like i kind of look at like the songwriting process as um a a way to like try to figure out how can i figure out this problem but also use the pieces that i have and so there are sometimes where i'll write a tune for instance it might be like something that i've written like 10 years ago and i only wrote like like the chorus and I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to write 
the brids or I'm going to write a verse or something like that. And I'll go through the listing of like all of my voice memos to try to find a hook that kind of works really well. And some of the songs that I've written that I'm currently writing that I will probably write after this are always some sometimes patchworks of like years of just me struggling to like fit pieces, like puzzle pieces. But you don't let anything go then. No, like I try not to, but there are times where I listen to something and I delete it and I'm just like, I shouldn't have deleted that. No, I should have should not have delete l- deleted that, but I did because in the moment I was so scared that nobody would hear that, you know? Right. I don't want anybody to hear that. Well, I mean, sometimes if you go back and then listen to it a second time, maybe it's maybe you can be like, "All right, that that, that can be true. a justification." That's true, yeah. but I think there was way too much wine that night. Right. That, yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons You're why like, it was gone. Nope. No. <laughs> like, no. Like a text from an ex, just fucking <laughs> get it out of there. Yeah, and then there are songs that are about exes yeah, right. that now don't have the meaning anymore right. that they did before. Right. And yeah. now, and now I just play them, um, and like some people take it as they will, and it's a wonderful feeling. But those are like on autopilot, and right. so they don't really have the meaning anymore that they did before. Yeah, and we've discussed that on the show. I can't remember with who, but like with other, you know, people about like when you write something that has like this deep, profound mm-hmm. meaning, and then yeah, yeah. You, you keep playing it because people connect to it. Yeah, yeah. And then it loses its meaning to you for whatever reason, whatever situation it was about yeah, completely yeah. changes. And uh, and then you just, you know, you're just, <laughs> well, here we go. Yeah, here's this song about heartache. Uh, yeah, can't really remember what their name was, but uh, yeah, apparently they broke my heart forty years ago. You know, like <laughs> it just that when. But as like a callback, so like as I was growing up, like my parents used to listen to tons of different genres, and so as I've grown a little older, and as I've like been performing uh, since college, every time that I listen to someone new, I try to like fit it in a puzzle piece to see like, is this similar to what I listened to? Is this sort of a new wave of that um, salt and pepper? Or is this a new wave of that Dolly Parton? Is this like, uh, like Margot Price, I think is like the other Dolly Parton. And like, I feel always sort of going back to the nineties, going back to like how I grew up and like, trying to relive those days but as a new wave if that makes any sense it absolutely man. and i mean nostalgia is a, a th- i mean absolutely my, our entire band like our whole thing when people are like describe <laughs> describe your music i oh, yeah. say it's 90s pop punk love it <laughs> like, you know love but it. the word 90s is always the thing <laughs> that people are like oh okay yeah, yeah yeah like yeah it's a very retro sound but it's very intentional because that's the same with us we're like that's the shit that we like that's the shit that we connect to that's the shit absolutely know, it's like part of our wiring and if we can create our own version of something that fits like you said in that same puzzle yeah and you know and also have a blast doing it then that's what we're gonna do. Absolutely, and and something I found with just songwriting is that like if you're true to yourself, people are going to listen to it. Yes. If you're not true to yourself, people will call bullshit. Yeah. And like I can already tell when I'm writing something, I'll show it to my mother, I'll show it to my partner, I'll show it to my friend. They're like, "Why the fuck are you writing this? It, it it's it's not you." Right. And and they already know that I'm I've listened to one artist long enough <laughs> that I'm starting to emulate them. Do, I mean, so do you ever write like from a character, or is it always like a? You know, I've never tried to write from a character. I never I never have either. I listen to like when I started writing songs, I listened to a lot of um, yeah podcasts and audiobooks and was like trying to absorb information on songwriting structure to basically you know, yeah. get a nice blueprint. 
And it was, you know, one of the things they kept saying is, you know, you can write from this character and just be in this character. And like, I was like, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, in college, like, there's always those songwriting classes where they tell you, like, in this uh, week of songwriting, write a song that's four chords, pop, punk, whatever it may be. Right. And um, in, the, in the relationship of like you were just broken up with right like a taylor swift breakup song you know and then like they give you those things and they're like write it yeah. i could try but like it wouldn't be that good right and maybe i could like as an assignment but presenting it as my own thing and I to like be, you know. put it on anything or put it out with anything it's very difficult to have like that authenticity yeah. with it yeah, yeah, and plus, like, uh, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I read a lot, but I read, like, a lot of, you know, Stephen King and horror stuff. Love and it. And whenever <laughs> there's, like, actually, if you see all the Stephen King books behind Oh, me, my God, yes, um, yes, yes. <laughs> but whenever he gets into the mind of a really particularly bad character mm. who says horrible things and does horrible things, I can't help but be like, come on, man, you didn't have to write that. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yes. I know he's doing a character, but I'm like, you as an author could have controlled that character's language. And yes. Made him, you know, like, yeah, because, you know, I'm, I'm a softie. Some some of that shit makes me uncomfortable. And like, and I Absolutely. get like, so for me, if I was to write as a character and it wasn't authentic, I would feel like I would. I wouldn't be able to present it because I would be like, I, I'm taking on the scrutiny of that character and I don't have that kind of... Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I forget the artist, but it was during the time of Greenwich Village, like during the folk renaissance. Okay. Uh, I think it was Jackson Brown that said, like, if I don't feel good enough having written it, I'm not going to put it out. If I have to sit there for two years and iron out the song that song won't go out for another two years. Right. And I'm the same way. Like if I, so like I've done two live albums, one of them with Alec, my great <laughs> friend. Yes. Um, up, up and away a live album. And then one with my friend scoops from college called live from Morris. And each one of those is sort of like a depiction of that time in my life. And so those songs, they might be a little rusty or they might be a little sort of jagged in terms of their, um, their audio nature, but they're authentic to like that time in my life. Right. Cause like the, the one with Alec came out right before COVID. So like it was very quickly put together. We did it really quickly. He's a gem. He did it really professionally. And as I listen to it now, like it makes me sort of a little emotional because like there was so much angst in that. Cause we were like, we have to do this in a weekend. <laughs> right. And we did it, but there's always, there's always room for growth with that. There's always room for improvement. And then when I look at some of the stuff that I'm writing now, it's with that angst from before COVID, now that we're kind of back in front of people again. And it's always amazing what sort of thing pulls through you when you put your pen to paper, or as John Mayer calls it, Ouija boarding. So when you're playing and you sort of like pull out words as you're trying to write and like, where the hell did that word come from? But it fits. And then I start to write and I'm like, I'm not writing this song. Someone else is writing this song. And then you get to a point where you're writing the chorus and you're like, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. And then you start to write it and you've already finished the song in 15 minutes. And um, that's happened to me a couple of times where I write a song in 15 minutes and I, it's not me that's writing it. It's someone else that's working through me. 
I know I'm rambling right now, but it's... No, it's a podcast. That's what we're supposed to oh. do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, in terms of songwriting and um, all that, I... It's always it's always weird to like sit down and try to write something because I don't know how to explain it. It's like the world's colliding and you have to be there to see it meet. But you have to be willing to mess up a couple times to like find the right path. And you have to be willing to like get a lot of uh weeds in this um weeds in the grass before you find the flower. But sometimes people like the weeds. So I, I Yeah, a, like like myself. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> but it's true. But it's true. There's a lot of times where you write something, you're like, I don't know where that came from. I don't know how I wrote right. that. But it's a brilliant song. But it's always amazing uh, to me when I look through my my voice memos and I see something from like 2016 and I'm like, I don't know what I was doing that day. Right. I don't know who I was talking to or what I was listening to, but that chord progression sounds really cool. If only I remembered where it was on this fretboard, you know, there's just so many things that happen when I sit down to write that it's, it's a spiritual experience. Yeah. And I always feel um, very drained afterwards. So I, I don't know about you, but I find myself the most creative at midnight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I definitely have woken up on more than one occasion and gotten out of bed and come down here and turned on the disco lights and grabbed my acoustic (laughs) guitar. (laughs) Like, you know, yeah, yeah, I like the witching hour for creativity, you know? Yeah, it's like from the hours of 11 p.m. to like 3 a.m. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I find that that works for me. It's not for everyone. No. I'm I'm a... I like that. I mean, all of my blackout windows and I know, love that. Yeah, so I'm I'm a dark. I like the dark. I, I like to control the light, and sunlight is uh, my enemy. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so since we've been talking about music, um, we've been talking a little bit yeah, about yeah. your creative process. Let's hear a Ryan Lettick song. You brought along your guitar. Yes, yes. So, yes. Uh, what are you going to play for us? So this song that I'm going to play for you right now is uh, called. It's called Brown Eyes. Uh, I wrote this about my partner of many years now. I don't want to tell how many because <laughs> <laughs> it'll give away my age. <laughs> right. But but um, yeah, we've been a while, we've been together for a while. But this is about our first date, and so it's about our first date in one of my favorite places in Troy, New York. And so this is that song. All right, so cheers. Let's listen yeah. to Brown Eyes, uh, Ryan Leddick, and then we'll be right back. Like this glass of wine, I prefer to take my time and savor, savor it all, savor it all with these candlelight. Amazement 
go round the world once or twice. Grab the book front to back, but all that I seem to find in these these candlelight. Take one bottle down Pass it, pass it around Nothing Nothing looks like These candlelights And these brown eyes That was Brown Eyes, Ryan Leddick, and uh, that was here, obviously, live in studio in the whoop, uh, whoop, whoop. in the Dazzle Den. But it's also available on Up, Up, and Away that, that you did with Alec Lewis, right? That is correct. My good friend Alec, yes. And then what other... So um, you're recording stuff. How, how much is out there? Like, what do you got yeah. uh, for the people that absorb <laughs> <laughs> so right now i have those two live albums mm-hmm. so i have live from morris which i did with my friend scoops um and my other friend george kubetasori who played djembe on that and so we did those live that one i think was like in 2014 okay. that first one the second one that i did with alec was probably around like 2020 like February, I think we finished it. Um, and then something happened in March. I, you know, I think 2020. I can't remember. No. I don't know. Yeah. Um, all Probably. I remember is that I drank too much and made too much bread. <laughs> right. Yeah. Bread. <laughs> uh, so up, up and away. That's that. Um, that whole collaboration with Alec that has brown eyes on there, and I've also performed that on WAMHT. Um, the local station here. Um, it was also featured on um, 
NPR's sort of satellite locations. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited about that one because that one was one one of those songs that was written in 15 minutes. Right. And so I'm always amazed at some of those songs that just fall together really fast. Um, But the first album, the Live From Morris album, that was recorded in two separate places. So half the album, it's a four... It's a four song, or it's a four song uh, EP, and so like two of the songs are performed on piano with djembe, and the other two are on guitar with djembe. And I think each one of those is just two takes of each one, and we just pick the like the best one of each. And I think with Alec, with all of those, I think there's like eight songs on that one, up, up, and away. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, I think all of those were like the best of two or best of three. So yeah, I really tried to like do my best to practice about 40 hours a week leading up to that so that I could like go in there, get it done and just be done. Cause nice. there's only so much time. we. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Recording's top. Like I have, I have to go in and do vocals for our new song this week. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I even had, I had started a new job three weeks ago. <laughs> It's an hour and a half away. I have like no free time. And finally I just oh, said, you know what? Like, let's just do this. I'm like, book the time. And yeah. so we'll see we'll see what happens because I'd like to practice. Yeah. But I find that um a nice stiff shot of whiskey as I walk into the vocal booth really chills me the hell out. And yeah. then I can kind of like you could even zone. take out the the uh, middle part as I walk into the vocal booth out, and it would still apply to me. Just a shot of whiskey just <laughs> chills me out, you know? Like, of course, <laughs> of course. There are other substances, but yeah. but but whiskey in general is my go-to as of late. Um, it's the one that, like, I have, like, a glass like a glass of whiskey. I pick up my guitar. It's about, like, 11 p.m., and I just sit there and start strumming, and I just try to find a really cool lick, and then I go from there and... That's kind of how some of the new songs have been coming. So that's awesome. Yeah. So there's there's definitely um, p- places where people can find you. Um, Absolutely. On, you know the yeah out in the ether on the <laughs> on the internet. But while I have you here, Absolutely. Um, we should do another song. Oh, okay. So which one would you want to perform? So I'm going to perform uh, "State of Mind." So this song I did with my good friend Carl Blackwood, which. Also is here, yes. Who has been here, yes. Love Carl. He's also a part of the band Bent, um, B-E-N-D-T, for those in the interwebs. And and he did Run, Rabbit, Run. Wonderful Pink Drive Floyd. Tr- yes. That's actually, we were talking, you were asking where I yeah, met yeah. Carl, <laughs> and I never even answered the question. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's where I met Carl, oh, was yeah. uh, when he did Run, Rabbit, Run. And, and also, they sound amazing. Yeah. yeah they yeah. sound amazing. It feels, like, it feels like I'm listening to Pink Floyd in the room, you know? Um, but state of mind, it's about that continuous high that we all get, whether it's an endorphin rush from happiness or from weed <laughs> or from alcohol or whatever it is that sort combination of combination de- of all three. You yeah, know? <laughs> crossfading. Yeah. Uh, that det- that sort of um, uh, changes your outlook or sort of rewires things in your mind. And what Carl and I did um, for that version of state of mind because we had a little fusion of 80s synth into it and um, we made it a little bit more sort of uh, fusion i guess esque but this this uh this acoustic version i'm going to do right now is sort of the way that it was written so this is state of mind all right cool so let's listen to state of mind and then we'll be right back to wrap it up with ryan Ledick. 
right, so that was State of Mind, Ryan Ledick. And uh, Ryan, I want to thank you so much for uh, making the trek out here <laughs> well, thank to, you. The, uh, to the country to do this with me. I always appreciate it when, when artists come out here to talk. It's beautiful out here. Yeah, out here it is. Getting out here sometimes is not as... You know, I can only imagine it. during the snow season. Yeah, there's there's some <laughs> there's some moments. But but once you're here, it's nice. It's you know, nice. Yeah. Nice view of Vermont out the window oh. that, that you can't actually see. But you can see Vermont... If that curtain was open. <laughs> so so when we first walked in here and and I said, I love Vermont. Like we had like an emotional bonding yeah. over Vermont. And, and, and it's literally next door. Yeah, I love and it. And there's the <laughs> in, enormous Vermont flag. I don't know if you know. I that. love yeah. the Vermont flag. Yeah. The Green Vermont, Mountain State. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, before we go, like I do to all my guests, I just want to give you a moment oh, okay. to... Um, you know, say your your highs, your thank yous, your gratitudes, your whatever you want. Basically, the microphone is yours. Yeah, well, first, thank you, Andy, because there's not very many people that do this for the local artists here. So thank you very much for what you're doing, because it means a lot to not just me, but to everyone that came here before me and everyone that's probably going to be coming after me. So thank you, first of all, because appreciate it's a service, and I feel like it's very underthanked. Um, but I also want to thank, like, all those people that have supported me as I've transitioned to full-time with music. So like my parents for giving me the time to like mess up and come <laughs> home, you know, and also to my partner and to my best friends and to everyone that said, no, do it, do it, just do it. And so I'm very thankful to that. I'm also thankful that I have, have something that um, people really like. So it's always a wonderful and humbling experience. Yeah. So but thanks for having me, man. Yeah, thanks for coming out. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Cheers. So that is Ryan Leddick. I am Andy Scullin. This is Unsigned 518, and I'll see you on the road. Unsigned 518 is produced in conjunction with Nippertown. You can find new episodes here every week on nippertown.com. If you are a band or musician in the 518 area code and would like to be on Unsigned 518, shoot me an email at unsigned518 at gmail.com. I'm your host, Andy Scullin. I'll be back next week with another episode of Unsigned 518. Thanks for listening.